Good morning, Whitewater. So glad to be here. So glad you are here. If you are new, I just want to extend a welcome. Um, we, we have a saying here that you can belong before you believe, and that I just cherish that, uh, that reality in our church. That means is that, that you, can, you can come experience and discover faith at our church uh, before you actually believe or, or change your life, before you look like uh, um, the person you want to be. That this is a place where we can come, receive forgiveness, and, and slowly move toward um, what God has called us to be. And we want to help anyone and everyone move forward on their spiritual journey towards Jesus. And so any way we can do that, short of sin, we're going to do that. So I'm glad you all are here. Welcome. Um, let me say a word of prayer and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're so grateful for you. I pray that today would be a day of faith, a day of belief. A day that um, that shapes our hearts, that helps us look toward the future with hope. Lord, uh, would you would you take off the burdens that uh, people are carrying in here, Lord? Uh, burdens that um, that have not been spoken, maybe even burdens that are unspeakable, that are just that are so that are so hard and so heavy that that they can't even be fully described. Lord, would you would you come in? Would you transform? Would you love? Would you lead? And would you, uh, God, give us faith beyond ourselves? We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Welcome to the new uh, spiritual growth campaign called Built. Uh, the goal of this campaign is to help our church grow in faith. We're asking the question, what would it look like if, if our church here at Whitewater uh, saw, saw everyone take a step of faith, saw everyone turn up uh, faith and belief and trust and confidence in God in their life. Even if you're here and you're like, well, I'm an atheist. Well, what would it look like if you took a, a, a step of faith and be, and continued, uh, to discover, dis- continued to ask questions? Uh, the Bible teaches us those who seek, uh, fine. So continue seeking. No matter where you're at, what, what would it look like for our church to become a church filled with faith? What could, what could God do with us and through us? There's this um, this scripture in the in the book of Acts, uh, Acts chapter nine verse thirty one. It says this: so the church that that God was building through His Son Jesus, so the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was being built up. We believe the God that was building His church then is the God who's building His church now. Amen. Do you believe that? Man, we believe that in this series, in this campaign for nine weeks, that God is going to be building the church up. We want you to be built up. And when you are built up as a disciple, the church is built up because the church isn't the buildings. It's not the brick and mortar. It's not the meetings. It's not the plannings. It's not the comings and goings. It's the people. And when we are built up in faith, the church is built up in faith. That is the goal. That's what we want to see. And, and we're a part of what God has already been doing over the centuries. I love that it goes on to say uh, this about the God who is building up the church. Uh, it says that this church was walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. When a church is healthy, when a church is growing, when a church has faith and belief, God multiplies that faith. God expands that faith. He spreads it. And, and God is interested in doing something in you with your faith and something through you. And I, and I really, I truly believe that, that God is giving dreams 
to people. God is giving vision to people for your life that he wants to accomplish through you, in you. Um, But we have to have the faith to step into it. Will you have the faith over these nine weeks to engage and grow your faith? Um, you guys might have noticed on the seats with you, I just want to take a moment, you guys might have noticed we have this devotional. It's uh, 40 days uh, of faith, and I just want to encourage you to engage with this uh, over these next uh, weeks. If you engage in this daily, there's, there's, uh, there's a page, or actually two pages a, a day, where you can actually read, grow a little, and then, and then journal a little, right? What's God teaching? What's He saying to you? What's He growing in you? And, and I, I truly believe if you engage in this series, you engage in getting a community, and if you use something as simple as this tool, um, I, I really think that God is going to grow you. And at the end of this, God might have done something that you never would have imagined or never would have thought that he could do, never expected that he could do. So we, we want this as a, as a guide and a tool uh, for your faith and your growth. Um, and, and so we're talking about faith. And I wanted to set the table with, with three things before jumping into the main thing. Can I give you three things before jumping into the main thing on faith? I think it's important to just have some pre, like some prerequisite, prerequisites on faith. What do, we, what do we mean when we're talking about faith? In, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says this, uh, Faith is to be sure of the things we, we hope for. Faith is to be sure of the things we hope for and to be certain of the things we do not yet see. I've had some, some, some people tell me, well, I'm not a person of faith. Uh, you're a person of faith. You believe in God. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person of science. Or I believe in my own capacity, my own ability. Um, but I think it's so interesting when people say that they're not a person of faith. I think every person is a person of faith. We all have to have faith. Like the world would not run. Your life would not, would not go without faith. Um, I've had people say, you know, like I'm, I, I'm all in science and so I'm not about faith. And I just think that's so, it doesn't make sense to me because what I'm hearing is that I'm putting my faith in, in, in an ability to observe the world through a scientific lens. I have, I'm having faith that, that will give the answers that I'm looking for with my life. So you're, you're putting your faith in something is what I'm saying. Now, um, I've had a, I had a couple recently to me, uh, come talk with me, and they were they're get, they're engaged, and they're going to be married, and they got all this great stuff going, and they're and they're working through faith together, and and one of, one of them was like, you know, I'm am I'm, I'm moving forward toward Christ, but I'm just not sure I'm I'm there yet. I want to believe, and I kind of do believe, but I've I've got some doubts, and I've, I've I've I come from a skeptic's family, and we're you know kind of an, an atheist family, and so I've got these these questions, and I just don't know if I can fully trust and fully put faith. In, in, in God. And, I, and one of the things I asked him was, well, can you tell me, and let's just look at life and how faith works in life. Can you tell me with 100% certainty that she will never leave you or abandon you? That she will be 100% faithful to you? Can you guarantee me in the future? It's like, well, no, not, not I can't give you 100% and guarantee. And, and she kind of glared at him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, um, and then I said, well, can you guarantee that he'll never leave you abandoned can you, with 100% certainty that he'll never do that? Well, no, I, I, I can't. Why? Because well, I, I guess I can't guarantee that. Well, why are you guys getting married? Why are you guys engaged? Because well, we trust that person is going to love us. I guess I'm, 
I guess we are having to trust each other. And, and, and one of the things that I think is so important to know, and when I was looking at him, I said, look it, um, you couldn't be in love without faith. You couldn't be engaged without faith. You can't be, get married and be married without faith. Like, like there is no real love without faith. Uh, love without faith is uh, distrust. Love without faith is abandonment. Love without faith is, is, um, is calling it off or unfaithfulness because you're not trusting in the future together. Everything that really matters runs on faith, friends. Can we agree on that? And we all have faith in something. Here's a second prerequisite for understanding some, some faith. Uh, Hebrews 11.6 says this, And it is impossible, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. It is impossible to please God without faith. In the, in the context of the faith we're talking about here, I would define it as faith is confident trust in the God who is redeeming our world through Jesus Christ. Confident trust. Now, um, it's impossible to please God without faith. Uh, anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that He exists. I've learned in relationships that love and relationships don't uh, flourish, that they don't last if the couple or the people don't acknowledge that they exist. Have you ever noticed this? You ever seen a couple in a fight and like, I'm so mad at you, I'm not going to acknowledge your existence. So they're like, they're, all of a sudden they become really interested in something on the ceiling. And the person could be right in front of them and the, you know, they're just looking around. They won't look at their face. And hey, w- uh, you know, if someone happens to come around, would you tell them this message for me? Um, yeah, I will admit that me and my wife have sometimes had uh, fought like this when we were younger and didn't know any better. And you know, there'd just be this, we don't want to acknowledge the existence of the other. I'm telling you, a relationship won't last if it continues that way. Uh, no difference with God. God, He created the world. He is a, uh, He is a person. He wants to have a personal relationship. And if we don't acknowledge that He exists, we're not gonna have a relationship. Without faith, it's impossible to have a relationship and please God. I've noticed that some people can get so busy and so worried about being successful with their own life and they're, and they're pushing, they're pushing, they're trying to make their life work out the way they want, they're trying to live the dream, they're trying to grind it out, whatever, and life throws all these things at them that they didn't expect and they get so busy and so focused that they functionally live as if the most important people in their life don't exist. You hear what I'm saying? And, they, and they're, wor- they're worried and they're working and they're doing all these things even for those people. But when it comes to functional love and relationship, listening and talking and caring, it's as if they don't exist. Without faith, it's impossible for relationship to happen. Put that into your scientific pipe and smoke it. <laughs> The scientists here are like, yeah, no, it's true. You know, like, the reality is faith is at the center of, if we want to have a life that matters, we have faith. And that we believe that there's a God who rewards, or there's a God who holds us accountable. And the reason I think that we might resist faith, 
or having big faith or having any faith at all is if we have faith that there is a creator and we don't just have faith in the created things that he's created, but that we actually also have faith in the creator, then that means that this world is more than, it's, it's about more than just us. That, that I can't just live life the way I want um, without having to give an account for my life. That God has given me a life that he doesn't want me to waste, so I, I can't waste it and feel good about it. Does that make sense? Some of you guys were like, I want to waste my life and feel great about it. Like, sorry, God doesn't want to let you. That's why you have those feelings of terrible guilt when you are squandering what God has given you. That's why I have those terrible feelings of guilt when I'm just stuffing my face, squandering this beautiful body that God has given me. <laughs> Sarah was like, this uh, shirt looks good on you. It's a little tight. I was like, quiet down, you. <laughs> I just looked to the ceiling and ignored her. Third thing, real quick, prerequisite, because we got a lot of stuff that I want to I give you today. Um, here's the third thing I've noticed about faith, and especially people who have begun believing or be- begun uh, having faith in God. Everyone wants the results of faith without actually living a life of faith. We would rather have the results of faith than live a life of faith. What do I mean by that? Um, we'd all rather have the breakthrough before we actually have to have faith. We'd all rather have the insight, wisdom hit us before we actually have to take a step of faith, um, before we have to risk anything. It's like we want the reward without any of the risk. But faith doesn't work that way, friends. Relationship, love, the deepest things in reality do not work that way. We want, we want the experience. We want the accomplishment. We want the relationship. We want the love to work um, without the risk, without faith, without having to take a step of faith or live a life of faith. We want the knowledge. We want the safety. We want God's miracle in our life without actually having to believe too much. We wanna, we, we'll believe once we have the safety, once we have the miracle, once we have the knowledge, then God, I'll believe, then I'll trust you. But friends, that is not a life of faith. And I'm afraid that that somehow, uh, with the American dream that we've been sold, that somehow it seeped into the church and flipped the reality for the Christian believer that we would actually think that a life of faith is just waiting for God to do things for us or show up and, and do stuff that we want when we want it, and then we'll believe in Him, and that's a, somehow a life of faith. Guys, that is the opposite of a life of faith. That is no different than someone who, who is an atheist, doesn't believe in God. They're, they'll, man, they'll be the first to say, I'll believe in God if He just shows up and does something miraculous for me. Faith is generated from within. Faith uh, it's, 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 it's something that, that comes before the miracle. Are you with me? All right, I think we're ready to get started. What I'd like to do is, what, is really answer the question, what does a life of faith then look like? What does a, a life of faith look like in essence? And we're going to be looking at the writings of Luke in, throughout the series for nine weeks we're going to be looking at this, and you have the opportunity for seven weeks to be in a, a group. The thing I love about group is we can teach, but we can't talk and discuss these things on Sundays, and a group can really help you actually do that. 
And so as we jump into this, we're looking at Luke's writings, both Luke and Acts. We're going to use that as a platform to look at how he understands faith and how how Luke wants the church, when he wrote it for the church and the church today, how he wants us to understand faith. Starting in, um, in chapter 1, he begins with two stories, two stories to help us understand what faith in action looks like. So let's pick up uh, the story. We're going to look at these two stories in chapter 1, and then we're going to look at five elements of faith, all right? Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named uh, of Abijah's division named Zechariah. They had these different divisions of priests, and they would serve at different times during the year. And Zechariah was a, a priest, so he's got a high position. He, he leads the people in worship. His job is to articulate and uh, prayers for the people and to minister to people. It says his wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They're from good stock. They're good people. In verse 6, it says, both were righteous in God's sight. That means that they were both right with God. They had a good relationship. They were good, trustworthy, loving people that did love God. Living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. Verse 7, but they had no children because Elizabeth could not, could not conceive. And both of them were well along in years. They were old. They were, they were beyond hope of having kids. When his division was on duty and he was serving <clears throat> as the priest before God, um, it, which was a high honor, he was actually chosen to serve uh, the Lord. It happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense and to lead in worship. And at the, <clears throat> at the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people uh, were praying outside because he's alone inside and, and uh, worshiping. In verse 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. You know, he's, he, an angel drops it, he's in the middle of a worship service, and he's just doing his normal worship thing, and then all of a sudden God has to show up with an angel. You know? And I, you know, I don't know about you guys, I would be terrified. I can relate to that, like all of a sudden angels there, you know? You know, you guys know Michael Rabb, the guy who sings and he leads us in worship. And one thing about Mike, if an angel showed up in the middle of Mike's worship, I don't think he'd be surprised and be like, oh, it's about time. That's what I think. <laughs> I think that Mike would just be like, so like he would just expect it and just roll with it. That's Mike. Some people like they would expect it. Zechariah, I'm a little bit more like him. I think I'd be a little scared and terrified and overwhelmed. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. What prayer? The prayer for children. He's probably prayed their whole marriage, and Elizabeth has probably prayed her whole marriage because your identity, your value, your worth in this culture was often tied to your ability to, to have children. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John, John the Baptist, if any of you guys know the story. Later, you'll learn more about him. But John the Baptist, a, le a great leader for the Lord. You're going to be given this son. You're going to name him John. There will be great joy and delight for you. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and, and will never drink wine or beer. Some of you guys are like, oh, he's, that's a sacrifice to be that holy. <laughs> Some of you guys might know the story too. Like John the Baptist, this baby who's going to be born is Jesus' uh, cousin. 
And you're like, come on, where's the justice? Jesus gets to make wine and John gets nothing. Nothing. Very sad for him. It goes on to say uh, he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb even. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and the power of the prophet Elijah and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children. We'll come back to this a little bit later. And the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. And Zechariah's response is, how can I know this? How can I know this, Zechariah? Said the angel, for I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. He's like, I mean, I'm glad you heard our prayers. I'm glad God sent you, but it's a little bit late in the game. Uh, Like, the game's over, actually. Like, we're not, look at me. You know, like, look at my wife. We're old. This isn't going to happen. How can I know this will really happen? And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. <laughs> I love this answer. Who is, who st- I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I, I was sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Translation, George's translation. You idiot. I am an angel sent by God with this message miraculously appearing before you, terrifying you. And then I tell you what God's going to do, what more he's going to do. And you're like, but how can I know? (laughs) What's, What's the response here? Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Until this actually happens, you can't say a word about it. Because you did not believe my words. I was sent here by God, and you wouldn't even believe it. Like, this is miraculous that I'm here. I shouldn't even have to be explaining this to you, Zechariah. (laughs) He says, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. So even though you have a lack of faith, isn't it interesting that he was able to believe God enough to pray for a child, but he didn't have enough faith to believe that it would actually happen. He says... You'd not believe my words, but they will happen in their proper time. Um, Zechariah's job, his, he's a pastor, he's got to use his voice. Zechariah's objection came through his voice. And God says, you know what, you, you rely on your voice to articulate and pray for the people. And this voice that you use to like object and, and ask, like, well, how can I know? I'm going to take that voice away. And you're not going to be able to use that voice to tell anybody what I just told you. Meanwhile, people were waiting for Zechariah, um, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. And when he did not come out, he could not speak to them. And then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He was making signs to them and gesturing and, and, and remained speechless. He couldn't say a word. Can you imagine that? He's coming out and he's just like gesturing this guy who makes a living off his voice. It's like if I came out to preach and just did interpretive dance or something. Like, when the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. He went back home. Now get this, you guys. This is, after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. So just go with for a moment. One of the things that's, that Luke's kind of hinting at here is that Zechariah has to go home and have a conversation that he can't have with his wife. Right? 
Like he can't speak, so he comes home and he's just been worshiping. He's the man, like, like what a high honor. And his wife's like, so how'd it go? What happened in the, in the temple? And he's just like, she's like, again, why will you never talk to me about your work? <laughs> why won't you ever, did, did I do something? Did I make you angry? Like what, what's the deal? And he's trying to gesture and he's trying to, to get her on the same page. And finally you can see her kind of like, he's like, baby. And she's like, baby, are we going to, and he's like, yes, yes. You know, and he can't speak. And finally she understands like the, the blessing that God's given, the, the mission. And she's like, so what do we have to do to make this happen? Why are you smiling so big, Zechariah? <laughs> You know, like he's having to describe this whole thing and God is at work in the humanness of this. Sometimes we think of faith as like this ethereal, out there kind of thing. This is in the humanity, the, the reality that you and I live in. Luke wants us to know that faith is in the real. Let's go and let's go through this story. I'll finish this and I want to give you guys five elements of faith. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. A virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. She was a nobody. She, nobody had ever heard of her before. She's from the north of Israel. Israel, she doesn't have much to her name. She's a nobody from nowhere. And yet, an angel was sent to her by God, and he said, Greetings, favored woman. The, uh, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by the statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the, of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. She's like, okay. You know, like This is a lot to take in, right? He's saying you are going to have the promised one, the Messiah, the Savior that God has promised. Mary asked the angel, how, come, how can this be? Since I have not had sexual relationships with, uh, relationship with a man. She's a straight shooter, that Mary. Just gets right to the, you know, how, how does this going to work? Um, and then the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God and consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age because she's related to Elizabeth. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing, get this, for nothing, I would even underline this, for nothing will be impossible with God. Faith, faith starts in God when we realize that nothing is impossible for Him. And here's Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. I'm in. I'm all in. Here's the first element of faith. I just want to give five elements that you can draw from these two stories that Luke is trying to teach us who would listen about faith. The first one is that faith proceeds. Faith proceeds. In a world that wants all the results of faith without having to live a life of faith, faith proceeds. Faith precedes God's movement. Faith precedes experiential knowledge. Uh, faith uh, precedes the miracle. Uh, faith precedes. And we often want it to be the opposite. We want to have the miracle first. We want to have the knowledge first. Then we'll believe. You even see Zechariah. That was his issue. How can I know this is true? 
Do you notice that Mary also asked the question? She's like, well, how can I, you know, how will this happen? And the difference is the reason she wasn't like, didn't have her voice taken away uh, was because he asked, how can I know? He wanted to know and have certainty and have it figured out before he had to step out in faith. Mary just said, well, you know, how is that even going to be possible? She just wants to know, like, how is that going to work? She didn't have to know, like, with certainty it's going to, just how, how is that going to, you know, I don't. And then she says, I'm all in. I'm all in. I think that is unbelievable. Faith proceeds. Are you at a place in your faith when God says something to you, you will trust Him? You will have confidence in Him? Or do you have to wait for the miracle to happen? To believe it? Number two, you, now get this, you determine the size of your faith. You determine the size of your faith. Again, Luke one twenty says this, you will become silent and unable to speak. This is uh, Gabriel talking to Zechariah. You'll be unable to speak until the day or the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words. What was Mary's response? I'm in. May it be as you say. Let's get this straight. Zechariah is a male. That's higher on the pecking order uh, in, in this day and age, in this culture. Mary's female. She's lower. Uh, Zechariah is a priest. Uh, he's, he's got money. He's married. Uh, he's well-respected. His circumstances in life are, are great. Mary is a nobody from nowhere. She's female. She's not married yet. She has no property. She has nothing to her name. Her circumstances are quite different. Wouldn't you agree? Why is it that Mary then has bigger faith than the priest whose job it is to have faith on the behalf of people? Why is that? Because you, you decide. You determine the size of your faith. And don't let the circumstances, don't let your, your, your bank account, how much or how little you have in, in the bank account, don't let your relationships, your social status, uh, don't let your, uh, your past, don't let your current circumstances determine your faith. In this story, Luke is trying to teach us that we don't have to let our circumstances determine our faith. And was Zechariah still blessed? Yes. He, was he a good man? Yes. But did he struggle with faith? Yes. Faith isn't easy, friends. How many of you guys would be willing to admit, I struggle with faith a little. I struggle believing sometimes. You're in good company, but we are called still to faith. And when we believe in what God has spoken over us, what God has spoken into us, what God has has given us from the scriptures and then into our life, God will make it happen. Um, and you know, the other thing is Zechariah, he, he thought he knew what God can do and God, I'm old and my wife's old. And he had these expectations, uh, small expectations of what God can do. And his, the size of his expectations determined the size of his faith. Don't let your expectations, if they're small and puny and don't actually capture who God is, don't let like, like the small expectations determine your faith. 
And don't let other people determine the size of your faith. You decide. You decide. You determine. Are you going to have big faith? When you walk out of this room, are you going to start believing God more? Are you going to trust that he can do amazing things? Are you going to trust him for the miraculous? Are you going to trust God big? When you walk out of here, no one else can do it for you. Like, other people can have big faith or little faith. Like, Zechariah's faith, uh, it, it didn't matter what his faith was when Mary presented with what God was going to do with her. With the dream that God was giving her. She had to decide what was she going to do. And she said, I'm in. I'm in. God doesn't care the circumstances or the look of your life. He he makes promises that he's going to keep and he wants your faith. Amen? Let's grow our faith, friends. Number three, faith overcomes fear. Faith overcomes fear. Remember, faith is not always easy. And I'm not claiming it is. I I, I, I would be the first to tell you I want to grow in faith. I want this series to grow my faith. But faith overcomes fear. The angel of the Lord came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled at, at this statement. She was scared. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Um, this is a really simple, easy point, but I, I, I don't want you to miss it. If you have found favor with God, don't be afraid. Let the favor of God be greater than your fear. You know that God loves you, that he has given you his favor. His favor rests on you because of the blood that was spilt by his son Jesus. That the, the sin has, has been removed or has the capacity to be, to be removed from your life because of his son. His love is extended. His love is, is, is present. Will you let the favor of God and the favor of your, of your faith in God be greater than your fear. My daughter is afraid of the dark. And we've got this new house with this new dark basement. And she needs to go get some things and do chores down, some, down there sometimes. She's like, Dad, I don't want to go down there. I'm like, come on, Novella, it's, it's fine. Just turn the light on, you'll be okay. And she's like, no, it's dark, it's scary, there's noises. Okay, what if I go with you? Okay, yeah, Daddy, you, you come with me, come with me. But you're going to go first. I'm not going to walk ahead of you. You go first. Because I want her to learn to overcome her fear. I want her to learn to have faith. And she walks down there with courage and faith when I'm behind her. She knows that her daddy's with her. Do you know that your father, your heavenly father is with you when you step out? Four. Faith turns God-given dreams into reality. Faith turns God-given dreams um, into reality. Mary said, I'm in. May it be as you have said, according to your word. Later in the story, in chapter 2, the shepherds come and they come to see Jesus who's born and they see him and he's actually born and what God said would happen, happened. God's promise was fulfilled. And it says this about Mary in verse 19 of chapter 2. It says, but Mary was treasuring all of these things up in her heart and meditating them. All the promises of God being fulfilled. All the dreams that God had given her were coming into reality because she said, I'm in. I'm going to believe you big. Um, what are you treasuring up in your heart? What have you been treasuring up in your heart recently? 
Like what, have you, what prayers have been answered? What dreams have been spun into reality? It's so easy to forget or miss them, not pay attention, or just be like, oh, like we've been praying, praying, God, please, 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 please. And then we get it and we're like, yeah, like a spoiled child and, and we don't care about that toy anymore. And, and, and Mary treasured these things up because she had big faith. Big faith people see their faith um, prayers being answered. They see their dreams being turned into reality and they're thankful and they praise God and they treasure it. My son is a treasure. My, my son's a, a miracle. Like the doctors didn't think that we'd be able to have another one. We prayed and we had miscarriage after miscarriage and um, little Wesley beyond the expectations of the doctors and even sometimes our expectations was given to us. He's a miracle. I treasure him in my heart. My grandfather, his, his mom got pregnant with him during the Depression and they uh, decided that we can't have we can't have another little one. It's too, it'll cost too much. We can't do it with our family. So they were going to have an abortion and they made the, the plan. They had the day and they drove up to the abortion clinic went pregnant with my grandpa, my grandfather, and they were going to go get him aborted, and he, and my, my great-grandma could not get out of the car. She didn't know why. Um, she, she just couldn't get out of the car. And God preserved my whole family, my life, my son's life. It's a miracle because of what God did. I treasure that in my heart. We would not exist. Wes would not exist. Did not were not for the miracle and the hand of God. What are you treasuring in your life? Are you with me? Last one. And this is a big one. Great lives are built on great dreams. Great lives are built on great dreams. When Ze- Zechariah, and this is in chapter 1, when Zechariah saw the angel, he was terrified. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid because your prayer, prayers have been heard. His prayer for a son, his prayer for a child. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John. And there will be joy and delight for you, but not just you. Many will, uh, will rejoice at his birth. Because of this, he will turn many of the children of Israel back to the Lord. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children. Stop there for a second. This prayer has been a prayer for for Zechariah probably for years. Waiting in faith for God to do something. By the time he's too old, God says he's going to do something. And so he struggles with some doubt. But, but God is still gracious to him and still blesses him. And, and God has given him this dream in his heart that he has wanted his whole life. And late in his life, God gives him the dream that he wanted. The dream that he's had in his heart. The dream that his wife had in, in her heart. Now get this. But the dream that, they, that God grants them and that God gives them uh, is more than just their dream. There have been people in Israel since the days of Elijah. Remember last week we talked about Elijah's prayer? What was Elijah's prayer? God, would you turn their hearts back to you? That prayer has been prayed over the centuries. And and even in Zechariah's day, his nation was crying crying out, God, would you turn the hearts of your people back to you? And God says, your son, I'm going to give you a son, but not only is he just going to be a son, he is going to be a special guy. And I am going to turn the nation's heart back to you or back to me, through your son. Do you see how like there's this these layers of blessing and faith that are happening? 
And not only that, it says that your son, John, is going to turn the father's hearts in the nation back to the children's hearts. He's going to turn family members back to each other. He's going to restore relationships. He's going to take the people with power and he's going to turn their hearts so that they give power to the least and the little. They're not going to try to preserve it and and, and keep it and save it for themselves. There's going to be a radical generosity and there's going to be a radical love that's going to be flowing through the, the work of your son. So believe it. This dream was given to them. Beyond all hope, beyond all practicality. Friends, I believe God is giving dreams to people who are sitting here in seats right now. Are we willing to believe it? Amen? I can't, I can't move on without mentioning Mary. Mary's dream was given to her, but was she asking for it like Zechariah and Probably not. She wasn't like, I really want to have the Son of God. You know, I'm not married. I have nothing. You know, people are really going to believe me if there's some, you know, uh, conception that's, that's different than uh, what's normal. Right? Her plan, the dream she's given, it happens in the wrong order, in the wrong way, with the wrong, like totally beyond people's expectations. And when God starts bringing it about, she's treasuring it in her heart, even though everyone's going to be critical of her, even though everyone's going to doubt that this is the story. And, and I want to tell you, some of you guys are going to have a dream in your heart that God has placed there, and you're going to have doubters, and you're going to have critics, you're going to have all these things in opposition to what God wants to do in your life. And your your job, despite all that, is to believe and to have faith. Will you dare to believe? Will you, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, dare to trust God? Will you, like the people who are crying out for God to turn the hearts of everyone back to the Lord, will you believe? We who, who, who read about uh, uh, Mary, it says this in Luke 4, 145, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. That is, a, that is a pronouncement Luke is saying that is true for her and it's true for us. Blessed are those. Blessed are you who believe in the Lord and believe that he would fulfill what he has spoken over you. What has the Lord spoken over your life? What has he spoken into you? What does he want to bring into existence through you? What future that has not yet been written will he accomplish through you? And will you trust him? And will you find reasons to doubt? Will you find reasons to just say, no, 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 I want the miracle or I want something to happen before. I want it to precede me having to have faith. Friends, have faith. And you will, be, you will, you will see the revelations of God. You will see God's hand move. All the major characters that see God's hand move throughout the book of Luke and in Acts are people who trust God enough to step out. So will you join us over the next nine weeks and grow your faith? Will you commit to that? Is it worth it? Is it worth your family? Is it worth your personal growth? Is it worth change in your life, the change you've been wanting to commit so that can happen. Is it worth getting into a group? Come to the, the, we're having this thing called group up after this service. Get in a group. Get in community. Grow together. Live together. Belong together. Let God do something in your life. Get to know people you never thought you would have known because you took a step of faith. And finally, um, would you have, would, would you have the faith over this series to, to make three faith goals? 
It's on, it's on um, your, your uh, bookmark. There's a bookmark in your, in your devotional. And you can write them out, like think and pray about this. But we want you to set goals, like some, you know, maybe some dreams that God has already put on your heart or maybe start beginning to put on your heart. Goals of, of growth in your life. Goals of, of going and sharing your faith. And maybe goals of, of generosity, of serving with your time, talent, and treasure. What could God do through you, through you and in you in this service? And, and in this series? I'm believing God to do big things. I want to grow our faith as a church. Let's do it together. Let me pray. Father God, we love you. We're grateful for you. Would you help us to believe big? Would you help us to love big? Would you help us to worship big? Faith proceeds. Help us to have a faith that proceeds. Help us to have a faith that that, that we, we, we make big. Lord, we can determine our own faith. Let us walk out of here with big hearts. Father, would you um, help us to build a, a great life on the great dreams that you give us? We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.